Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why It Matters, the podcast for the dreamers and the driven. We're changing the world their way. Our guest this week is Dr. David Vick. He was the former head of culture at Zappos and was on the ground floor when the company was designing their culture. Whether it was a chair shaped like a king's throne for employees to vent, or a policy allowing employees to give each other $50 bonuses, David created a place where people wanted to come to work. In this episode, he shares the secrets to creating strong relationships and connections within organizations. Before we listen to this week's conversation, everybody take a second to settle in, appreciate where you are, and take a deep breath with me. And now, off to the episode. And we are live. Dr. Vic, welcome to Why It Matters. Nice to be here. Thank you, Luke. I'm excited to get into a little bit about you and a little bit about your work history and, and what you've worked on, who you've worked with, and everything that you've done. Um, and before we get into that, I'd love to talk about culture and why culture matters to you. So it's a lot of your, your at least recent time and work has been spent in this, in this space, in my mind, of creating an environment for people to excel, which is kind of culture in, in some aspects. So why do, you, why do you care about that type of work? I care because it matters to people, you know, it matters to their lives. And if they can be part of a, a growing company, um, you know, that really matters. It trickles down. Uh, it goes home with them. Um, if the company doesn't go anywhere and the, and the culture's poor, um, the households suffer, you know, when someone comes home and they're not happy at work. And so it's really all about helping people and helping companies and uh, just having a, a super place to live where someone can um, really take it to the next level and reach their full potential. That's what it's all about. And it's really nice to see. I think that that point you just made is so missed. And I think there's this idea of work-life balance that's yeah. like work-life balance and you want to have the balance between the two. But something, I took a class on this my last year in college. And what I came to realize was like, if you're, you can try to, People think of work-life balance as like you want to have more life. You know, you spend more time doing life outside on walks with family, entertainment, whatever it is. But I, I felt like a lot of it had to do with getting your work right. Because kind of what you're saying is if you don't have your work right, you don't have your life right. So could you talk about like how that idea was reflected in your experience working at Zappos and like how you could see someone maybe when how you could create a culture when your work is right your life is right like how how did do you have any stories about like changes someone made or like the company made to like improve someone's environment yeah oh that's a that's a it's a big question but um I'll, I'll start off with you know what what i found uh i was a coach at zappos and i helped with the strategy and and um and creating the culture but 
what I found that um, a lot of the people they weren't just just uh, as you said, hey, if their if their work right's not life, their their home life's not right. But what happens is uh, when their their home life is not right, then their work is not right. You know what I mean? So what we did is what I did is created a um, 30 day goal for all the employees. And I met with every one of them. And uh, what we did was basically I, I found out more about them and learned more about them as a person, not as an employee, you know, where they lived, you know, their family, their kids, all that kind of stuff, the history of what they've done before. And um, they would let me know what's going on in their life. And then we'd have, 30 day goals. And if they wanted to sign up for some goal setting, we'd sign up. And basically it was optional, but about 99%, I'm sure people did it because as far as I know, everybody did it. Um, and once they got their home life, if they took it to the next level, they were excited because that, um, that caring and, and, and help came from work. Okay. So they're really, really, everything's kind of coming together. So then their work gets better. And one of the big things about work um, is a lot of employees don't have the freedom at work to go ahead and um, make their own decisions. And they have to ask a manager to do stuff. And so what we did at Zappos at the first time, and I did this in my first company is you create First of all, you create the strategy of the company. And I work with some startups and CEOs and founders, and I work with bigger companies right now. And the culture is really not articulated properly, Luke. What they do is, um, you know, they get an employee and they just said, okay, do this. And the person does whatever he does, but they don't really know what the big picture is. And so what we did at Zappos is we created a culture but we started by blueprinting the vision and the purpose and then the values. And it kind of lays out, you know, this is what we do. This is why we do it. And this is how we do it. And how so the people, and the people that come in and work, they already know what we did. And at Zappos, we delivered. Wow. That's what we did. So whether you're an engineer, where you're the call center, whether you were, um, a shoe buyer, anything you had to deliver. Wow. That means no dud shoes on, you know, in the warehouse, uh, no funky code, you know, everything has to be super, super customer centric. And, and so that, that way they can just go off and create the most wow website, culture, shipping, all that kind of stuff. And so let me tell you, like in the call center, when we had um, some, some person came to me after a while and they said, hey, doc, somebody called and the heel broke off their boot. What should I do? And I said, what do you think you should do? And they go, well, I don't know. Maybe I should have them send the boots back and we'll inspect them. I said, okay, yeah, you can do that. Would that wow them? And they go, yeah, probably not. I go, what would wow them? And they go, well, how about if I send them a new pair? I go, perfect. And so they send them a new pair. So we had limits, you know, up to like 300 bucks where they could make their own decision. But when you call a call center, you always get no, right? And they can't help you. And so these people that we had, a lot of them at the beginning come, came from a call center 
that were that were basically trained to say no and you've probably experienced it with old telephone providers and so yeah. forth and even now where no matter what they'll say no yeah. and they, they were so relieved because that kind of action the deceit and lying at their work went home with them and so right then and there they were they felt liberated and they felt proud they walked taller they made their own decisions they didn't have to ask a manager so how did that that idea of having a clear vision statement and something that every every stakeholder of the company every employee everyone working could could see this statement delivering wow and relate yeah. to and i think how how could maybe connecting that to what you mentioned earlier is you sitting you sat down with every person and you wrote a 30-day plan for them to achieve a goal for themselves. So how, how was the individual employee able to, through a plan, connect to the bigger goal? Okay, they just got their mind right, you know, you know, squaring up things at home, but the bigger goal, they knew what to do. So they didn't have to really do their, their you know, get their life straight, although it really helped, but when they knew what it was that they needed that we needed to do at, at, at Zappos, then they all lined up and the culture became self-managing. So if someone came in and didn't deliver wow, you know, a teammate would say, hey man, we don't do that here, right? Mm. This is what we do. And so everybody was like, just like at your house, right? Let's say you have a, um, a policy or you just like to have people take their shoes off when they come in. After a while, everybody says it, everybody does it. And then the people that don't, they say, hey, we'd like to do that here if you don't mind, right? And so it became part of the deal. This is what you do here. How did that, because I can, I think that's a great story because I think everyone can relate to at some level walking into a living space and taking off your shoe. That's just kind of a, a customary thing. And I think that, that obviously starts with, has to start with a single person because it's a single thought. It's, it's one idea that spreads to whether it's a family of four, an organization of 10, or a company with over a million employees, yeah. that idea can spread. But how does, how does one person start with that idea and then get that idea to be latched on, which I feel like is a, a core aspect of culture is not only setting the tone, but also getting the tone to be heard and right. understood and internalized. We posted everywhere, you know, the vision and the purpose and the values. And basically it's what we do. And we had a little bit of trouble getting traction with the values. And in the values that this is what we live by, this is what we do every day. And we had a little trouble. So uh, we printed the values on the mouse pad. Ooh, right? I like that. People saw it every day. And then we had a, a program where any employee could go ahead and give a $50 bonus to another employee with no limits. Wow. And, and basically it was aligned with our values because in a company or in your life, you shine a light on what you want to see more of, right? And yeah. so if this person did a great value of having a team and family spirit and someone, you know, gave them a bonus on that or nominated for a bonus, they automatically got a bonus. It was written up. So that's what it was about. And so you shine a light on what you want more of. 
and you have everything posted. This is what we do, deliver wow. And these are our values. And you have skits on core values, all that kind of stuff. And so it's a consistent thing. So people don't even think about it. They just live it, like taking your shoes off before you come to the house. After a while, they don't even think about it. They it's just like do it. Self-reinforcing. And almost yeah. it like almost grows in that's pretty incredible. One thing that I thought of in the midst of that explanation is like how does so let's say someone listening is like they have maybe even for within their friends they want to create a certain culture within their company their employee maybe they're starting something like how do you how do you ideate on those things because i think like that's a awesome idea if you can support your fellow stakeholder colleague employee by saying hey i'm going to reward you with 50 dollars that that i can feel that just imagining that so meaningful but how would how did you guys come not just to that idea, but how, how did you create an environment to like think about those ideas? So like, how did you be like, oh, we're gonna, like where did the idea come from to like create the ideas, if that makes sense? Okay, well, here's the deal. To deliver wow to the customer, right? What happens if you hammer on your employees and none of your employees are happy? Do you think they're gonna deliver wow? Definitely not. Definitely not. Do you think the programmers uh, and engineers are going to create wow in the website? No way. No, <laughs> no. So you have to go ahead and invest all the wow in your employees and then process the reciprocation goes over to the customers. And I actually to try to kind of broadcast this. I had an office at Zappos and I had a big King's throne chair real big one, right? And then I had red carpet underneath. And then I had a VIP sign with velvet ropes. So when anybody wanted to talk, they come in, they say, Hey, doc, I'd like to talk for a while, they come and sit in the throne chair. So they basically were royalty. And these wow. are employees, okay. So what I did back in the day too, I had a Polaroid camera, I take a picture of them in the throne. And I take another picture to put up in a wall in my office and outside my office, down the hall, everywhere. And we were just covered with these pictures of these people with either a crown or a tiara and sitting in the throne chair. As a reminder, they're supposed to put it on the refrigerator at home to let them know that they're royalty and that's the way they act and that's the way they live their life. And so that kind of investment that we made into our employees just reciprocated right onto our customers. And that's how we got scaled. And that's how customer centric we were where we got bought by Amazon. How did, I think that, that picture you painted of being able to walk into an office with a red carpet and a throne and sit there is very empowering. And it sounds like it was empowering for employees and also seems like a space for vulnerability like if i could come in and, and talk to someone and feel like comfortable myself and feel i feel empowered before the conversation starts like i definitely feel like i would be more inclined to share things and i think one thing that i've noticed just as like hosting this podcast and starting an app is like the more vulnerable i am with people in 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 all walks of life the more i can give to them and the more i can take from them and just the the more it's just a better relationship because if you share more, they're getting to learn more from you and you're getting to learn more from them if they're being vulnerable. So 
Could you talk about the importance of vulnerability when it comes to building a culture and like maintaining like a stable working environment, especially when there's like conflict? Right. Well, vulnerability, um, you know, is conversely trust, right? And so we trust everybody. Uh, you know, we, we, we knew the inherent good. Um, you know, with the Pygmalion effect was big there. I, I did some class, a lot of classes with the Pygmalion effect where, What's that? you know, it's basically people um, don't reach their full potential. If you take, um, they, they, they took, they did a big study where they take a group of uh, sixth graders and they're going into the junior high the next year and all they're, they're all failing, right? And so they took them um, to the next level and in, in into a new school next year. And they told the teachers, hey, these guys are really brilliant. They're a little bit, you know, uh, disruptive, but they're brilliant. So treat them like that. So basically we treated people. And what happened with those people is at the end of the year, they're all like A students because someone believed in them. And so they don't act, people kind of uh, uh, evolve to whatever their deal is, but not to their full potential. And I'll look it up because I got to say it because it's real important. That's what the big thing was um, with, with people in Zappos. It sounds um, like the idea of kind of like manifestation type of a thing where yeah. you, you kind of like project something and, and if you start to believe that you kind of become that sort of thing. And there's a lot of people right. in modern society that have been super successful and they believe in that type of thing where it's not like you're doing something fantastical or changing your brain. You're just saying right. that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this thing. And the more you say it out loud, the more that you actually start to believe in it. Yeah, just, you know, we believed in them. We trusted everybody that came and worked with us and we worked together. They didn't work for us. They worked with us. Um, and you know what? So many people came to me and they knew about me. I knew their life and they'd sit in the throne. They could close the door or not. Now, basically they would just talk for like 10 minutes and then I would, you know, agree with them or whatever. And they'd slap the, the throne with both hands and go, God, I feel so much better. People just like to talk and vent, yeah. right? And so at the very beginning, I tried to fix some things. But then my wife said, you know, people don't really want you to fix it, right? They just want to be heard. And so that's what we did in the office. And they felt so good. So when there was conflict, they would come and they say, hey, this has happened. This happened. It's like, what do you think the best way to, to handle that would be? And if they'd go out on a tangent, we'd bring them back and so forth. But basically, they would come up for their own, with their own solution and they would handle it. I love that. I think that yeah. that's, that's honestly something I've actually had. My mom told me to read this book about how females and males communicate with each other in like relationships. Yeah. And she said a point of the book is exactly what you just said, which is like that sometimes women have more of the tendency than men to want to, when they're communicating, they're frustrated, they're sad. They don't want the guy to, to just say this, honey, like this is what you need to do. It's more of I like, want you to fix it. yeah, they, the woman just want you to listen. And I feel like I, after she said that, I kind of reflected on myself and I definitely have more of a tendency to want to say like, okay, I, I hear you and understand. And this is what we should try to do. But it's really that, that listening that I think is important, not only in, in, in a company context, but also just like globally, just having more people just like listen to each other. It'd be amazing. Um, one 
question i oh yeah yeah and, and listening and you know sometimes you're talking about conflicts that they let's say they'd have a manager or a lead and there was something in there if i was to get involved and go to the manager they'd be tattled on and so the manager manager would be upset right and and so there would be this dynamic not good and so they would always come up with the solution and handle it themselves and it was it was mm. fantastic um and you know what just that on management even though i use the word because everybody understands what you know managers do but we didn't have any managers at zappos wow we had leadership and that's what we i, I gave a three-hour leadership class to everybody in management you could be in management but don't manage people you're a leader and you want to duplicate yourself in the people that you lead that's that's how we kind of kind of did it at zappos and we scaled really big since the company was successful because we buffed out in the employees and then buffed out the customers and so it scaled so everybody had that win 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 what does buffing out mean buffing out is just like going the extra mile man just mm. wowing them no matter what you know, a good you, environment. just really good. You know, it's like if someone's going to buff you out and you're going to go out to eat, you know, your limousine comes up and all that stuff. It's like, whoa, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, that thing. yeah. I love that. And I feel like just reading the news and listening to like, I don't know what the number is now, but at least at some point in the past few years, Apple's $200 billion cash pile. And like, definitely, I mean, I've gone to an Apple store where I, go and see the employees and talk to the employees and they're great and they help, but it, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like their employees are, are buffed out. And I feel like that there's, I don't go into the Apple store and get this sense of like the employees feel like they're a part of this like great company culture. And yeah. like, I think just from hearing what you said, like if more companies took Zappos approach in your approach of like creating, like, I love that term of buffing people out is yeah. like having a good time. Like everyone's almost happy. Yeah. Like that would, I think, create a lot more happiness and uh, probably a lot more success and effective use of money because people are happy than just like yeah. the current environment. Um, one question I had was, I think the founder and CEO of the company, Tony's was very well known. And I would love to know a bit about, how he communicated with the company and how you were able to use that, those dynamics and kind of massage those dynamics, especially as the company grew to like much more than a few hundred employees. Like what, like how did you guys manage that relationship between kind of like this almost iconic in some sense of like a founder and like what he represented and like what the company represented and like how those dynamics played as the company like scaled to a level where it's harder, like you said, like once you get past 50 employees, it gets harder to maintain culture because there's so many relationships and dynamics within relationships that are occurring that you can't like experience. Right, right. Well, Tony, uh, Tony was a great guy, a great human being, just a gentle soul. Um, and he didn't talk a lot. And, uh, you know, he asked me since he was a patient, you know, and, and I delivered wow in my clinic. And he said, you know, after I retired, he goes, you know, why don't you come on down? And um, so anyway, so I, I, I he hired me and, and I reported to him, but it's the first company I ever worked with. But um, 
this is Tony in a nutshell. I said, what do you want me to do, Tony? And he goes, just do what you do. Right. And so that was a lot of the stuff at Zappos. Just do what you do. And he kind of kept to himself a lot, but he, he did a lot of emailing uh, to, to people. He kept in touch with a lot of people, but um, he just allowed things to grow and scale. And, and we kept everything in check and made sure that we were, you know, buffing out the employees at all costs and, or not at all costs, but, uh, and, and then the customers also. And we actually had four pivot points where um, our constituents were, customers, employees, vendors, or partners that sold us the goods, and investors. And so many companies, they forget about the investors once the investor puts money in, and they never hear, see where their money goes and so forth. Um, so that that's not good. So we wanted to do that. And our partners too, uh, shoe companies, we wanted to buff them out too. So we definitely worked with those people and delivered an experience that they had never experienced before in their world. But Tony was really a smart guy, um, very intelligent, and he created a lot of stuff there and a, that allowed for the framework of people just to go ahead and, and do their magic under the umbrella of delivering wow. Because when you, when you do that, engage a person, when you let them know what to do, when they do it, they're engaged. Mm. But if I told you what to do, Luke, you do it and you go, okay, now what? Right? <laughs> you don't yeah. know the big picture. So yeah. we allowed people to engage themselves, really. And then, then, it, then it started growing to the magic. And a lot of times it was, it was more than we can do ourselves or we even thought about. So that's the kind of environment that he created, which was... Um, it, it's not good, uh, you know, out there in the field. There's not a lot, the stuff that Tony helped create, the atmosphere at Zappos. Um, a lot of companies, regretfully, it's a money grab. Yeah. You know, and greed comes into everything. That's one of the biggest things. So people, you know, they upsell and they do this, so they have you on long contracts, whatever, but the, it's not a real good experience. And so what we want to do is create the best experience for everybody we touched. And that's what he created. That was the magic he created. And he got a lot of, um, you know, pushback from it, from investors saying, hey, you're wasting money. You're doing this and that. And um, you're going to be, you, you know, they just didn't like some of it, but he held strong. Um, how would you, how would you, I, I think it's super admirable, especially when you're under pressure of like multi hundred million, if not billions of dollars at stake in your leading the ship, which is uh -huh. crazy. And there's all these people with that owning some of that money, pressuring you to do something and being able to maintain courses, super impressive. And how do you think that, cause I feel like if people took more of your principles that you instilled and the company's principles and what Tony represented and what the whole company represented and replicated that across different companies, probably not only the economy would do better financially, but also people would be much happier. And yeah. how do you think that if it ever could happen on, on more of a consistent basis where companies are driven more by creating a really great environment for everyone that interacts with the company versus only focused on 
one thing, which is, I don't want to say only focus on greed, but there, that, that is the, maybe an, an external effect of the root, which is making a lot of money. Right. Yeah, I, I think it, w- it would be great if it went that way. A lot of people don't trust the system or don't trust that it works. You know, maybe they've had challenges in their life where uh, they've got ripped off a lot and they don't trust people. But the, the psychology and um, the way things work with the experience is, is pretty documented. Uh, as far as, like, when we have an experience it goes to our limbic portion of our brain and basically the amygdala. And what happens when you have a really good experience, that's where the memory and emotion come. Okay. So when you have a memory and emotion of something really good, it starts to go ahead. You get attracted to it. And pretty soon you don't even have to think about it. You automatically go to where that good experience is without even thinking it's like de facto. Conversely, if you have a bad experience, you remember that also. So you can have one bad experience with a company and you bolt, right? But if you keep on getting great experience from company, pretty soon that becomes a de facto company, you know, because they're giving you exactly what you want. And if companies did that, they would have a lot more long-term success because companies today, their lifespan is getting shorter and shorter because it's the money grab. And if they just understood, if they just did the right thing, um, they don't have to go and search for new, n- new customers. We had a 75% return customer every day come to Zappos. That's, That's what we had. That's insanely yeah. high. Yeah. Oh my God. 75% of every customer, uh, uh, every day was 75% return customers. Oh my goodness. Wow. You know? That's impressive. Yeah, but when you look at like uh, um, if someone has a um, the cell phone companies, right? Yeah. Where they have a two two year plan and they'll pay you a thousand dollars to quit and so forth because that that contract, you know, basically you had a hostage at the other end for two years, and so they can treat you poorly, you know, and then you want to leave after two years, but the the competition's not best, so they kind of they, they have a captive audience, and so that that works for them. You know, some business models work for certain things unless there's a lot of competition. But with technology coming out right now, there are so many different choices, not only where to buy and put your dollars, but also work. So I think right now and in the future, people are going to start thinking about this more and more because the cost of turnover, employee turnover is really, really high and it's going to get higher because you train them and so forth, then they quit, you get another one and hire. So there's a really tough situation. So if they just trust the system and trust the way it works and trust people, um, they could really ease up and make a li- maybe a little bit more money. But when you have more customers, it's going to be the same thing. You can take a lot of c- money from a few amount of customers or a little bit of money from a lot of customers. And then you're you're more stable anyway because you have a bigger customer base. So what I'm hearing is that these are the principles for the future of super sustainable companies, Um, (laughs) which is awesome. I would love to zoom out a bit and wrap up with a question that's at the root of the purpose of why I I host this thing, 
not only to get to talk to great people like yourself, but also to spread the message of really like, why does this stuff matter? And specifically for you, like, why, why does culture and creating a good culture matter? Because you're treating people, you know, like they matter. I mean, you really think about it oh, back in the day, maybe not now with flex time, but everybody sets their alarm to come to work, right? They go ahead and, and uh, set around their whole itinerary of their whole world to come to work, right? They, they do all these things for work. And so you got to treat them like, hey, man, thanks for coming to work today. Appreciate yeah. you. You know, you just want to invest. They invest in you and you should do the reciprocation because then you're going to get way more in the future from that person. And they're going to be much happier. Just, you know, it's a win, win, win situation. I agree. Just seeing someone as a human being really, well, I appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time and getting a little bit of the look of the, the inside of what it, it meant to, to be in the down in the trenches in, in, in the real root of how a company like Zappos grows into a big, you know, impactful thing that, that helps a lot of people and, and changes an industry. So thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope I can uh, work with more companies, but I have helped a whole lot of companies so far. And so I know the process works and uh, I think people will be catching on. So thanks for having me on Luke and uh, keep doing why it matters because it really does. It can change lives. And that wraps up today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, follow us on LinkedIn at Why It Matters and on Instagram at Why underscore it underscore matters underscore. You will find our community of guests and listeners who are forming the next generation of changemakers. Come join the group of people leading humanity into the future. I'll see you all soon.